You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. We are here at the Church of Corpus Christi in sunny Bismarck, North Dakota. It is September 1st, hard to believe. I'm Karen Selensky along with Father Logan Obergewicz. We're having a great day. We just finished uh, visiting with Beverly Everett from the Bismarck Mandan Symphony Orchestra. Always a pleasure. Very talented lady. Um, very blessed to have her here, too, as, at Corpus Christi. So we have Steve Ray on the phone. Welcome, Steve. Well, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we actually have Steve scheduled for our banquet in Rochester, Minnesota on December 6th. Excited about that, and I understand you've made your arrangements, so you are coming. Is that correct? I am. I just got all the airlines, the hotel, all that arrangements made for December 6th. So awesome. I'll be there for the fundraiser. Great. And, and you just Rochester. Pray, yeah, pray for good weather. You know, we're just, remember, we're in Minnesota, so. That's <laughs> uh, all right. We're, we're in Michigan, and so we whatever you guys have, we get two days later. Yeah, you do. That's right. So. Yeah, it's good being with you, Steve. And today we're going to cover the story of Jacob. And just first off, I was wondering if you could just share a little bit of the previous talks you've given on RPR, just some of the characters, so we kind of have a cohesive, wholesome vision of where we're heading in this scripture story. Okay, well, I I wrote a book on a commentary, it is, uh, verse by verse through the book of Genesis. It's 550 pages, and uh going to be published by Ignatius Press next year. So because of that, we thought, well, let's do a six-part series on Genesis to get, uh, you know, people familiar because it was on my mind, and I love the book, and I love the characters. So we did the six-part series, and we did an introduction to Genesis. Then we did the whole creation story, the first 11 chapters with Noah and the flood. Then we covered Abram, who became Abraham and the covenant and how he went 1,600 miles with his camels and flocks and herds to a place that God just said, go, and I'll tell you to stop when you get there. But where am I going? He says, I want a contract. I want to know my pension. Am I going to have a deed to the land? Where are you sending me? God said, just go, and I'll tell you to stop when you're there. And that's why he's called the father of faith, because he did it. None of us would have done that. And then we talked about the Next, a major event was when he um, offered up his son Isaac, and uh, we call it the offering of Isaac, but the Jews call it the binding of Isaac. And then we talked about Isaac, and now we are talking about Jacob, which is the next uh, amazing character. He's one of the uh, most important in the whole Bible, actually. And then next time we talk, we'll be doing Joseph, who was uh, the vizier of Egypt who was a son of Jacob. So today we're talking about Jacob, and he's a really an interesting character. He, he takes up a good part of the book of Genesis, and he is a conniver and a cheat and a crook, and yet God loved him. <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, is that he, the word Jacob means conniver and crook and supplanter. That's what the name even means. Because when he was born, he had a twin brother, Esau, and Esau came out first, but Jacob had a, a hold of his heel with his hand, trying to pull him back in and get out before Esau. And so it's because he was grabbing his heel, trying to pull his brother back in, um, he was called the supplanter, Jacob. That's what the name means. And interesting, how does God, when he meets Moses, 
later in the wilderness. He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the crook. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if he's willing to name himself, that's his name, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the, and the cheat, um, then he's also able to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Steve Ray, or Father Logan. <laughs> so, you know, I, I take great comfort in the fact that he was a, a crook and a conniver, and yet God worked with him through his whole life and really mellowed that guy out towards the end of time. He was much more mellow, and he became what I we'd almost call a holy man, uh, tempered by God dealing with him. And because he was a crook and a conniver, um, God dealt hard with him, harsh with him, but he did it out of love. And Jacob responded over time. So it's a great story. It's a yeah, story. and that's a great point, Jason, and how important names are. So, like you said earlier, the change of name from Abram to Abraham, and we got Jacob now, who will receive a different name as well later on. Yeah. But we start with Jacob's birth, and you just shared that. Where do we go next with Jacob? Well, Jacob, he he was kind of a mama's boy at first. His brother Esau was the rough, tough, hairy, red-skinned guy, and he would go out hunting. That was his favorite thing to do, hunting and bringing red meat back for his father, and his father loved the red meat. And Jacob was kind of a mama's boy. He stayed in the tents. And one day, and so Esau was legitimately the firstborn. He was going to receive the inheritance of the Father. He was going to receive the blessing. Then, And that way the Messianic line would go through Esau. But Esau didn't have any respect for religious things. He was kind of a brute. I guess that's just the way we'd call him, a brute. And so he was hungry one day, and Jacob had some porridge made of lentils, red lentils. And Esau came in hungry, and he said, I'll sell you my birthright for a pot of that porridge. Jacob said, whoa, what an opportunity this is. So he did. He said, give it to me. Sign it over. And he did. And then he had to get the father's blessing in order to get the second part of that uh, deal. So he snuck in with his mother, Rebecca's help. He put fur on his arms from the goats. He put, he had went and cooked some goat meat and made it taste like wild meat. And he brought it into his father, and his father was blind, and and he told his dad that he was Esau coming back with some good fresh meat for him. And Jake and Isaac, his father, fell for the lie and gave Jacob the blessing. So now Jacob becomes the firstborn by title, not by order of birth, but firstborn really in the Bible most of the time means the one who inherits the father's estate and legislative and judicial powers and the one who is the next in line, so to speak. So Jacob, now the secondborn, actually becomes by title the firstborn by cheating. (laughs) So now his brother Esau says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And his mother sent him off. And he had to go up north to a place called Haran, which is where his family had come from. Now, you know, I've been to all these places. I actually made a movie called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's Abraham, Father of Faith and Works with Ignatius Press. We made it. And I filmed it all on location in Iraq and in Turkey and in Palestinian areas in Israel. And so I've been to all of these places where Jacob was. I even walked across, halfway across the Euphrates River. Um, where Jacob had to cross a couple times. So, yeah, this this is all very real to me because I kind of walked in Jacob's sandals. 
Mm. Very interesting. Yeah, it's amazing. So his, the meaning of Jacob's name, this the supplanter, the usurper, he's it actually plays out through time. So now he has the birthright. Um, Bishop Barron actually made an interesting point on um, saying that Esau is more hands-on, like that brute you said, and then um, in a certain way, Jacob's more of like the intellectual life. And he was speaking about how it's important to be kind of tie those together, to be hands-on, to be really human, but also have an intellectual life. They're not separated in the Christian life. And I thought it was just kind of an interesting point, and they're kind of grappling it out between each other. Oh, yeah, they, they certainly did grapple between each other. <laughs> and, um, and, and people make the same parallel between Mary and Martha as well. Mary was the one who was the spiritual, wanted to uh, kind of the contemplative, and Martha was the servant, and you got to kind of combine those two as well. So, well, anyway, Jacob, he, there's, he's mentioned so many times in the Bible, and let's talk about his name change. It actually takes place later, but we could talk about it here because we already brought it up is that on his way back with his wife, his wives, two wives and two concubines, and his 12 sons, or actually um, he had 11 sons, one was born later, and he crosses the Jabbok River. And uh, whenever, in fact, by the way, in in November, I'm taking a group to Jordan, and I'm going to actually take them to the Jabbok River where Jacob crossed. And we have fun because all the time I take, I tell the priest, you want to wrestle here, buddy? You want to wrestle? <laughs> and we'll find, because that, that, and we do it. Sometimes the priests are, they're, they're young and a lot of fun and we do have a little wrestling match for everybody on the side of the river there in Jobbik. Because when Jacob crossed over, his name being Jacob the, the, the conniver, he wrestled with a unknown man. He didn't know who it was. And it ends up being the angel of the Lord, even being God himself in the form of an angel. Because Jacob said, I have, I have uh, contended with God and seen God, and yet I've lived. And the angel wrestled with him, being God in the form of an angel, the angel of the Lord. And he wrestled with him all night. And Jacob must have been a pretty tough guy because he wrestled all night long with that angel by the side of the Jabbok River. And finally, he said, what's your name? And he said, I'm not going to tell you. My name is too wonderful. And so he wrestled. He said, I want a blessing. And he touched, the angel touched his thigh, and he disabled him. He gave him a, a, a physical ailment. And then Jacob got the new name Israel. He says, you will no longer be called Jacob, but you will be called Israel. Now, if you take a statistical study from the rest of the book of Genesis, 50% of the times he's referred to as Jacob, and 50% of the times he's referred to as Israel. So he still keeps the old name. But the word Israel means one who wrestles with God. And that became the name of the people of God. They were the sons of Israel, meaning that they were the sons of Jacob, who's now called Israel. But the whole land, they became the sons of Israel, and the land became called Israel. So that name Israel actually was the personal name of Jacob after he wrestled with the angel, and he got a new name, one who wrestles with God. Very interesting and very unique. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, and just how important that word of Israel is, as you're saying through through Scripture, we hear that word Israel all the time. And so you mentioned that this unknown man was an angel. It's the one who wrestles with God. Can we kind of see this unknown person as kind of a, uh, really in a sense, all three, God, an angel, and an unknown 
being of some sort? Or how do we understand this wrestling match with Jacob? So we're going to hold that thought um, because we need to take a break. So we are going to cover that right after we take a quick break here. Stay with us with Steve Ray talking about the story of Jacob. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Uh, I remember even during that time, and, and this was uh, during the beginning years of John Paul II's pontificate, and whenever I heard him on TV, because he was always in the news, especially with his travels in Eastern Europe, Poland and all, I, I would hear the things that would come out of his mouth and I would go, there's no way this person is not close closer to God than I am. Mm. Uh, you know. So I always had this sort of secret respect for uh, for John Paul II. Of course, I never said this to any of my <laughs> brethren friends. You, know? you wouldn't dare. No, of course not. But I, 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 I don't mean to disparage them because they taught me to love the Scripture. And interestingly enough, even though they, they do not believe in the real presence of Christ in the sacrament. They had communion every Sunday. And so they really taught me to love the Lord's Supper uh, and to love the scriptures. And so I'm really thankful to them for that. What if you could earn a degree that offers the best of both worlds, an MBA and a master's degree in philosophy? The University of Mary offers one degree that combines world-class business training with a careful study of life's deepest questions through their combined MBA, MA, and philosophy program. By earning one degree in both philosophy and business online, you will rigorously engage the big ideas needed to address professional challenges. Visit catholicprofessional.life. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live, and thank you for sticking with us today. We are having a great show. We are visiting with Steve Ray. I'm Karen Slensky, along with Father Logan Obergewicz. We are here at the Church of Corpus Christi in Bismarck. And Steve has some really interesting stuff about the story of Jacob, but we have something more interesting, right, Father Obergewicz? Yeah, so it's kind of cool. Jacob is obviously a twin with Esau, but we just figured out that Karen here, myself, and also Therese, who's running the Real Presence Radio today, are also twins, so we just thought that was kind of cool. It's a twin day. So we're calling it a twin day. Right. Well, Steve, you could talk for hours about Jacob. Where should we go next? Well, let's talk about his journey away from uh, his family, because he saw his brother was going to kill him. For He actually gave up his birthright, but he's blaming Jacob for it, because Jacob did cheat. There's a bit no doubt about it. So he's fleeing for his life, and he gets up to a place called Bethel, which is north of Jerusalem. Once you start getting into the mountains of the Samaria area, 
and he falls asleep. He doesn't have anything. He's what they call in England. They call it sleeping rough. He sleep. He uses a stone as his pillow. He just lays on the ground. And I've been to this place. We found out where this place was, and we filmed there. And it is all rocks. And he lay down on a pillow, as a, a rock as a pillow, kind of a hard, <laughs> hard pillow. And uh, he sees a vision in his sleep, and it's a ladder that extends from earth to heaven. It's actually a stairway. In the Hebrew, it's more a stair than a ladder. But we always hear about Jacob's ladder, but it was actually like stairs. And up and down that stairway between earth and heaven were going angels ascending and descending upon that ladder. And he had in his dream, it says in Genesis 28, Jacob dreamed and there was a ladder set up on the earth. The top of it reached up to heaven. I think the uh, Led Zeppelin one had a song one time called Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> yes, it did. And, um, and, and actually, it's very nice, uh, very nice music. But anyway, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on the ladder. The Lord stood above it. So he's up on the top and he said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And someday he would stand the God of Abraham and Isaac and you, Jacob. But he's there speaking to him. And so that ladder has great significance, though, because it is it shows a connection between heaven and earth. And in this, it was showing that God is in heaven and Jacob's down below. And God made him some promises. And here's Jacob conniving again. He is the ultimate manipulator, the ultimate uh, kind of like, businessman always trying to work the advantage. And he says to God, he says, if you keep all your promises, and I go up there to the north, and I find a a wife, and I come back down later, if you keep all your promises to me, then you will be my God. (laughs) You know, his, his father and grandfather, when God spoke to them, they just bowed down and said, yes, and that's why they're the fathers of faith. Jacob, no, he's a conniver. He's a crook. He's a businessman. He's a negotiator. All right, all right, I'll tell you what. I'll make a deal with you, God. If you do what you say you're going to do, when I come back down here, then at that point, I'll decide, and you'll be my God, too. So he's he's making a bargain with God. You know, this is why I like Jacob, because he's really bold and brassy, and God still works with him. In a way, I, what I say is that God draws straight with crooked lines, because he, he takes flawed people like Jacob, and he still works with them. And he blesses them, and he brings great fruit from their lives, because Jacob becomes the, the father of Jesus, eventually, through the line of Jacob. He becomes part of the patriarchal line. And he brings out the 12 tribes of Israel that then become, uh, take over the land. So it's really something. Now, but this ladder, the interesting, the stairway to heaven is a picture of Jesus. And it's also a picture of Mary. I'll say how it's, it's in typology, it's both. Because we cannot get to heaven on our own because we're sinful and there's a big chasm between us and God. God is holy. We're sinful. There's, a, there's no way we can jump across that chasm. God has to make a way for us. And how does he do it? He builds a ladder. And what's the ladder? It's Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus Christ and his cross, you could say. You could almost see over on this side on earth is sinful man, and way up there is God, and there's no way you get across, but all of a sudden the stairway becomes a cross. And then because of that cross and Jesus and his work on the cross, we now have access to heaven. And Jesus even says that because in John chapter 1, at the end of the chapter, and I have a book on John, 150 pages I wrote on John's Gospel. I loved explaining all these things. Jesus said to Nathaniel, you will be amazed because you will see the angels 
on me, ascending and descending to heaven on me. I will be the the stairway. And it's really interesting. Even there, I I hope this makes sense because it's a little bit... Uh, a little bit technical, but Jesus says to him when he sees Nathaniel, here is Nathaniel, I'm now meeting an Israelite in whom there is no guile or cheating or, or uh, this kind of crookedness. In other words, what he's saying is, here's an Israelite, meaning Jacob, in whom there is no Jacob. <laughs> oh, he makes a little pun. Jesus makes a really makes an interesting pun. Nathaniel comes. There's no guile in him. He's a very pure and simple guy. And he believes Jesus is the Messiah right from the start. And Jesus said, well, here is an Israelite, naming, meaning Jacob's name, in whom there is no Jacob. He is not a crook. And you will see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, I am the bridge between heaven and earth. That bridge is really me. So this is—it's a beautiful picture. In the Bible, it says that there—that um, that there is only one mediator between God and man. And most Protestants say that means you shouldn't pray to Mary and the dead saints and all these things. They make all these. Things. You should because there's only one mediator between God and man. One is in the middle, and that's Jesus. Well, when my father told me that. Uh, when I was becoming Catholic, I said, Dad, then don't you ever ask me to pray for you again. <laughs> because if you do, you're making me a mediator between you and God. You just go to Jesus. Don't ever ask me to pray for you. So this is Jesus. Be- but when, when Paul writes that to Timothy about there's only one mediator between God and man, he's talking about this big picture. Only Jesus, the mediator, could bridge the gap between sinful man and a holy God, and he does it with his cross. The new ladder, the new stairway is Jesus and his cross, which then brings us into the presence of God. Now, there's another way to look at this. I know we're running out of time, but there's another way to look at this. The Greek Orthodox, and I have this wonderful uh, icon on my wall. It's five feet long and 13 feet high, and it's a huge icon, and there's a picture of Jacob with his ladder, but the angels aren't around Jacob, because you go to the other end, and there's Mary holding Jesus, and the angels are all looking at Mary and Jesus, no longer at Jacob. And the whole point there is that Mary becomes the ladder, because the Greek Orthodox say, and on this on this beautiful icon that I have, and it says, Hail, heavenly ladder Mary, by whom God came down. Hail the bridge leading earthly ones back to heaven. In other words, Mary is also can be seen as that ladder because she brought God down from heaven and she then makes a way because of that. She makes a way for us to get back up to heaven through her son. So that ladder is very significant. We could talk about that for a lot longer. And it's going to be very prominent in my book. And it also, it's in my movie. And I show you where it was and do all that in my movie called Abraham, Father of Faith and Works. Well, that's, yeah, it's a beautiful insight, just how salvation history is continuing over time. Not only is God blessing Jacob and the tribes of Israel, but then he, he blesses the whole world through, God um, blesses the whole world through his son, Jesus, as you beautifully just yep. uh, showed, and then through even a conduit such as Mary, just with her, her yes to God's will, um, birthing the, the Savior of the world. So, Steve, why should... Why should Jacob be an encouragement to us all? I mean, you know, it sounds like, <laughs> I guess, why, 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 why would he? Or why well, because he? we are all sinners, and we all have a little bit of Jacob in us, don't we? We're all, mm-hmm. um, 
it's hard for many of us to bend our knee to Jesus about everything. We kind of think that we want to have our own way about things sometimes. And we, all of us have a little Jacob in us, and some more than others. And yet God was willing to work and draw straight with crooked lines. Jacob's calculating cunning. He, but it was weighed against Jacob, uh, Esau's undisciplined craving and self-gratification. And God had these two choices. One of these two boys is going to be in the line of my son Jesus. Which one will it be? And he chose Jacob, because at least Jacob cared. Esau didn't care about his birthright. He didn't care about the paternal blessing. He just was a brute. He wanted to eat. And he wanted to go out in the woods and hunt and eat, and that's all he cared about, physical craving. Jacob, like like you said earlier, Father, that he's... He had more of, there's more of an intellectual side, although it was a crafty, and, and God had to choose which one of these two was going to be the one to explain, and God chose Jacob, and there's a little bit of Jacob in all of us, and yet God is willing to be called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and like I said earlier, it makes me happy, because I know he's also the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Steve, even though I have my crookedness to me, he can still draw straight. God can still draw straight with my crooked line. Yeah, and just beautiful, just so we have Jesus with his human and divine nature, and just being that ladder between heaven and earth. So even just how it applies to the spiritual life, uh, us called to be live in reality, be on the ground, but also keep our eyes fixed on God, looking toward heaven. You know, just how this is all tying together um, very beautifully. Yep, and in the end, just to tie up at Jacob's life. He has 12 sons. They become the 12 tribes of Jew, of Israel. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin, Nephtali, and, da- and Gad. I memorized those just to show off. Say, did you Don't ask me to, to repeat that. <laughs> yeah, we're not repeating I that. Do, Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I do that to show off with my grandkids. But uh, <laughs> And so he becomes, and they come back to live in the land, and then there's a famine, and this is all planned by God, that family of 72 had to go down to Egypt, and God had prepared the way ahead of them by sending his son Joseph, Jacob's son Joseph. He became the second to the, to the Pharaoh, and he controlled and ruled the land of Egypt, and when his family came down, he was able to take care of them during the famine. They grew in numbers over 400 years. This is all in my movie, and they grew in numbers over that time, and there was now enough them to be able to conquer the land. So that's the whole story of Jacob in a nutshell. Next time we'll talk about Joseph. Well, thank you for being with us today, Steve. We always appreciate you connecting with us. Um, Steve Ray will be in Rochester December 6th, so stay tuned for more information. Thank you again.